In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and beginning with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast, where we talk about how to navigate life in the light of faith. A lot of times on the episodes, we take issues, uh, social issues, cultural issues, <coughs> difficult issues, and we put them on the table here in the light of Catholic faith, and we talk about them, sometimes from different perspectives, sometimes from our shared experiences about living, uh, walking a living faith as opposed to a dead faith where you just know stuff, but you don't really live stuff. Um, and we like to help do that because the way we do everything at the St. Philip Institute as we fulfill the Constitution on teaching that Bishop Strickland founded the Institute with, we take the eternal truths that are guarded and defended by the Catholic Church and we try to help our viewers walk those truths, live those truths in this sometimes valley of tears, these hard times that we live in in our lives, how to, how to take those eternal truths and make them real in the moments of our life. To do this, um, as part of implementing the Constitution, we have several resources available, um, and you can find them all on our website, stphilip.org. O-R-G. We have a full set of resources that have been adopted for standardization of teaching in the Diocese of Tyler, and they can be used anywhere. Um, we have the uh, Faith and Life series, which we um, purchase from Ignatius Press and partner with them on how to use those materials. Those we use for um, for for formation for the sacraments of initiation and for uh, children CCD classes up through grade eight. I've used those with my own kids in homeschooling all through all of the grades and uh, we really love them. They're great books to sit down and read with your children. We have our own The Way of Christ for Teens, which is written by Father Justin Braun, who's the chaplain for the Institute here in our diocese. Um, it's a series of lessons for teens. He's working on a four-year series of that, so there will be one for each year of high school. For adults, we have The Way of Christ, which is in English and Spanish. We have on our website with The Way of Christ where you can buy it, a website that has video lessons, five to seven minute short videos for each lesson and a quiz so that anyone can take the Way of Christ challenge and see how much you know about your Catholic faith. Um, but it's intended for adults who are becoming Catholic. We also have the Way of the Holy Family, which is a baptism formation program for the whole family, not just for the child. And we don't even call it preparation. We call it formation because it helps families, helps mothers and fathers begin to walk the life of faith with their children. 
we have essays, we have videos, we have this podcast, and we have beautiful artwork from our resident bishops artist, um, Robert Pushouts. So that's a short overview of everything that we have, um, more and growing. Today, what we want to talk about um, is something very simple and common to Catholics, but it's, it's really essential in the life of faith talking about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Our own Deacon Keith, who is on the board of the Institute and works very closely with Bishop Strickland, wrote an essay that we published on our website called Go and Sin No More. And it's a, it's a very personal, charming story about uh, Deacon's own path uh, back to the faith in his childhood and a story about age 18, how you, you came back to Jesus. Um, so. We want to talk about that today, remembering that it's about not just teaching your kids about the sacrament or teaching yourself about the sacrament. It's about living these sacraments in our lives. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Be great to be with you always. It's it's wonderful to have you here. And, uh, you know, we I forget sometimes how lucky we are to be around all you people in the diocese here <laughs> every day, um, availing ourselves of your, your knowledge and your scholarship. Could you tell us a little more? You started your essay with um, a quote from G.K. Chesterton. It's lovely. Could you tell us more well, about he's it? he's one of my heroes, and we yeah. share a name. My first name's Keith. His middle name was Keith. We also share this continual struggle with weight, but that's another thing. <laughs> and he's in the process, perhaps, of canonization. I think that would be wonderful. But I love his writings, and in his autobiography, sometimes called The Golden Key or The Man with the Golden Key, he says this. When people ask me, or indeed anybody else, why did you join the Church of Rome? The first essential answer, if it is partly an elliptical answer, is to get rid of my sins. <laughs> he continues, for there's no other religious system that does really profess to get rid of people's sins. It is confirmed by the logic, which to many seems startling, by which the Church deduces that sin confessed and adequately repented is actually abolished and that the sinner does really begin again, as if he had never sinned. When a Catholic comes from confession, he does truly, by definition, step out again into that dawn of his own beginning and look with new eyes across the world to a crystal palace that is really of crystal. He believes that in that dim corner and in that brief ritual, God has really remade him in his own image. He is now a new experiment of the Creator. He is as much a new experiment as when he was really only five years old. He stands, as I said, in the white light at the worthy beginning of the life of a man. The accumulations of time can no longer terrify. He may be gray and gouty, but he is only five minutes old. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. Beautiful. And, yeah, and, and I identify it, particularly right now at 65, gray and gouty, <laughs> with the power that sacrament offers to each one of us to truly be free, to begin again and again and again and again. And, and as I write, it's because I'm a revert to the church. I mean, I was raised in a Catholic home, at least in the first five grades, and we really did have a sincere faith, but we had a family tragedy and my parents sort of fell away. And we became nominal Catholics, at least I got confirmed. But for the most part, and I grew up during the madness of the 60s, and <laughs> for the most part, we really weren't practicing the faith. I was searching for truth. I was one of the many who thought we were nonconformists while we all wore army jackets and bell-bottom jeans and search for truth led me across the country. 
right about the time, uh, Dr. Stacy, when my closest friend, also searching for truth, a Jewish friend, went off to Israel to find his roots, his heritage. Mm. And while he's in Israel, I end up in California with a New Testament reading the Bible. When he wrote to me, and he wrote the words of the Psalmist David, how can a young man keep his way pure? And proceeded to tell me that he had come to know Yeshua, Jesus as Messiah. And it was on a beach in Santa Cruz, California, mm -hmm. that I cried out to the Lord. Lord, here's my friend. And he's talking to me as if he really knows you. I used to know you. Mm -hmm. I want to know you again. Please forgive my sin. Please receive me. Become my savior. I didn't know what else to say. And that really began my journey home. I'm what is often called a revert these days because we never officially left the church. We just weren't practicing it. And it was a circuitous journey. I, I mentioned some of it in the article. I ended up in a Bible college where I couldn't shut my brain down and discovered the fathers of the church and ended up back in the church in which I had been baptized, the Catholic Church, but in love with the church. And part of that also involved rediscovering yeah. the sacrament of reconciliation or confession mm -hmm. or penance, and, and that's what I write about. Yeah, yeah, and it's beautiful how you, I mean, you almost forget about that's where you're leading up to when, you, when you're telling the story, but it comes back, that was that moment when that powerful act of, of speaking it, of saying it out loud, of, of getting rid of it. Um, I was thinking of a, a quote in, in the movie Amazing Grace when I was reading your essay um, that it's, it, it's about the abolition of slavery mm -hmm. in England and it's about how that song came to be. But the man who was advocating for it, William Wilberforce, when there's a scene in the movie where he meets his wife um, Barbara, about to be Wilberforce, and he's he's upset because he spent his life fighting this cause to no avail, and he's giving up, and it's made him sick, and physically sick, and he, she's telling him to try again, to get back up and speak it again, and, and he says, I can't, and she says, it seems to me that if there's a bad taste in your mouth, you don't keep swallowing it back, you spit it out, and I was thinking about that That's conversion and that and confession. You, that's what we do as Catholics. We spit it out to the poor priests who have to hear it. <laughs> well, it, um, I was very pleased to uh, share this podcast with you because I think confession is a neglected sacrament for so many. For, for my lifetime, for our lifetime, um, many people said, oh, well, you don't have to go to confession anymore unless you kill somebody. We've actually, I've actually heard somebody wow. that was becoming Catholic, and that's what they were told. And I said, well, I don't kill anybody, so I don't <laughs> need to go to confession. Um, and it really is something to emphasize. As a priest for 35 years, some of my most memorable and most beautiful moments are in the confessional, or not necessarily in the formal confessional. That is certainly the the normal, ordinary place that uh, the sacrament takes place. But I think people need to realize, and I've heard confessions in airports, in basilicas in Italy, um, in all kinds of places where you wouldn't say it certainly wasn't the formal confessional. Um, what I would say to, uh, as we talk about this, I'm sure there are many people listening, they're praying for people to revert or maybe praying for friends or family that 
Maybe they're a convert and none of the rest of their family is converting to Catholicism. Whatever the stories, I know that many parents and grandparents pray for their children and grandchildren to return to the church. I would say very specifically, pray that they will go to confession mm -hmm. because that uh, that's your story. That's right. That is what sacramentally opens the door for that new life. And I've had some beautiful moments. And interestingly, in my experience as a priest, as you might expect, or it may not be what you would expect, but some of the most beautiful moments of confession have been when the sin has been the most devastating. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I've been in tears, and the person making the confession has been in tears to realize just what they've done in their lives and how contrite they are. The contrition is important. You have to be sorry for what you've done. And but that moment between the priest and the penitent, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment of grace. And I can say that I've felt Christ present there with the tears and the, the joy. And, and a lot of what you talk about in your essay, I really try to help that person understand this is a fresh beginning and you beginning. walk out that door it's a brand new opportunity and i think that certainly i've heard a lot of confessions that were not that dramatic moment and i think that's important to emphasize as well i love to speak of the eucharist and confession as sacraments of the journey we should celebrate confession or reconciliation over and over and over again, just as hopefully it helps us to receive the body of Christ at mass mm -hmm. over and over again. It's not some, oh, I've done that. I'm not going to do that anymore. It's, it's, it's part of the journey. As long as we're alive, we need both of those sacraments. And so I would emphasize to people to recognize even, you know, I've talked to priests that haven't been in years and it's like, I mean, it startles me because, you know, I guess I'm enough of a sinner and aware of my sinfulness. You know, I hardly would go a month yeah. <laughs> without confession. Um, and to go for I, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Never in my life have I gone, certainly maybe a little over a month, but that's about as long as I've gone. Certainly nothing close to a year. And... What we need to emphasize to people that are listening and watching this podcast, and probably many of them know this, but it's an encounter with Jesus. Mm -hmm. See, that's the whole thing people need to hear, Bishop. I mean, there I was 18 years old. I hadn't been to confession. I mean, I think since the fifth grade. I mean, maybe once because I was confirmed, but I didn't remember that. And I was 18 years old, and I had seen a poster advertising a retreat where a Benedictine abbot was going to give a, a weekend on intimacy with Jesus through prayer. And I wanted to go. So I went, Southern Florida. And there were so many people there, there were chairs set up on a lawn. There was no church. There was just a stage and chairs set up on a lawn. And I was nervous. I mean, I had memories from when I was a kid where it wasn't a good experience. Although I knew, because when I was a little boy, I had a, unlike a lot of people, I had a great nun in the second grade, Sister William Patricia. And she always told me I could talk to Jesus, and he always listened, and I could learn to hear him. So I had a good beginning, but I hadn't been to confession in years. When I finally got enough 
strength, if you will, to go up to this priest and thank God for him. And I said, Father, I haven't been to confession since. And he said, well, welcome home. The Lord's been waiting for you, or words to that effect. (laughs) And I didn't even remember the form. I mean, what I remembered was when I was a little kid, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. So I just started talking, and it became cathartic. Mm -hmm. And it just came out, and I just like a torrent and tears, and he was smiling. And it was wonderful, and he listened. And I knew it was the Lord himself. Later on, years later, of course, I'd study sacramental theology, and it is the Lord himself, because Jesus still ministers through his church, and that priest is standing in the person of Christ. Well, I experienced that, and when I heard those words, I absolve you in the name of the Father and the Son, I, I knew it was Jesus, and there was an incredible lifting. That's why I refer to it as the sacrament of new beginnings. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I love Chesterton's quote. It's as though you begin again and again and again and again and again, and you do. Mm -hmm. And given my background, I mean, I have a great deal of respect for Christians of other communities. I have many evangelical friends. I've worked with them for years. But as a Catholic, what a privilege to be able to begin again and again and again and again and to go to a sacrament, and we call it a sacrament of healing, which it is, because sin wounds us. And it, it is such a blessing and people are afraid of it. And that's so tragic. We have so many good confessors now. And I just really encourage people, if it's been a long time, Go. now's the time. Absolutely. Now's the time. Today is the day of salvation. And it is the Lord himself who speaks through that priest, who stands in the person of Christ. This is the beauty of the sacramental church, of being a Catholic Christian. The church is not some thing. It's someone, and the sacraments are the Lord continuing his ministry and saying, as he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk, and that's what happens. You rise up, and I'll never forget leaving, and I said to the priest, I said, well, Father, is there a penance? He said, yes, spend a good amount of time in prayer and go and sin no more. I don't think I walked away from the priest. I think I floated away from the priest. And I just felt this incredible freedom and that's because of grace. Grace really does flow through the sacraments. And I'd like to, to share a story as a priest for 35 years, um, because I can imagine there are probably people watching or will have experienced. Priests are just human beings. Um, we sin, we have to go to confession. And what I would want to emphasize, thankfully you had a beautiful experience. Sometimes that doesn't happen. I know. <laughs> and if the priest is humanly not who you need, find another one, please. Don't give up because that one priest was maybe tired or whatever. We're all human. We can be in the wrong place. And I want to share this story because this was only by the grace of God that I didn't blow it. And sometimes priests do, and I'm sure I have in different times. But this is one that I remember, certainly without breaking any seals, but this person came to me, and it was, as often happens, and any priest watching, and we'd probably see it if, mm-hmm. if you're regularly at Mass, the priest is in the confessional. It's like, uh, Mass is starting at 530, right. and Father's still in the confessional. What's going on? Um, very often, <laughs> people 
because it's tough. We yeah. understand that. None of us, I don't think any human being, if they're really contrite and really serious, even if their sins are relatively minor, who wants to admit your sins? Right. But it is cathartic. It is a blessing. It is a touch mm-hmm. of God. Uh-huh. And in this situation, this it was literally, you know, Mass was supposed to start, and it's I'm looking at my watch, and it's like three minutes the door opens again, and every priest can relate to us. It. Like, I'm, I'm already almost late for mass, and thankfully, I, I mean, this—I'd been a priest long enough. I just sort of, I, the way I describe it, I sort of sat on myself. I just said, "Joe, you need to calm down. This person is coming to confession," and as the person's describing the situation, they say. You know, it's been X number of years, many years. And the last time I tried, the priest basically shut the door. It said he was late and he had to go. Oh, boy. And I haven't been back. And I'm thinking, you know, I came, I came that close Thank you, Lord. to doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So please, yes, priests are human. We, we hurt others. We sin. And if, if you run into a priest that happens to not be who you need at that moment, for one thing, if he does hear your confession, Christ works through that priest. That's right. Even if he's grouchy, mm-hmm. even if he's got a rough voice and he's not kind, even if he looks like he's in a hurry, which sometimes we do. But if you do go to confession, trust that if you have opened your heart to Christ, He's working through that priest, as broken as we are, he's working through that priest to forgive you. So believe in that. It may not feel great, but you know and believe that a validly ordained priest, you're going to hit confession. The main thing is about you truly opening your heart to Christ. We are, I mean, it's very humbling, as you can imagine, to be the priest as a sinner myself, to be on the priestly side and saying, I absolve you. We don't say Christ absolve you. It's similar to the way the church guides us by the Holy Spirit. That's right. What do we say at Mass? Mm -hmm. Take this. This is my body. That's what I say. Because we're speaking in persona Christi. And in, in both of those sacraments especially, it's very pointed that we are there in persona Christi capitis, in the person, the the head, Christ the head, the head of the church. I have to remember that as a priest, as a a baptized man, as a sinner, it's Christ working through me. And that is the challenge that I face to try to live in in accord with what I'm called to do in priestly work. Um, But I, I think it's so important to emphasize that not everyone will have the, the beautiful experience you have. Many people will because they're wonderful priests. And some of the priests that I know that may not be the greatest preacher or not much of an administrator, but a great but confessor. wonderful in yeah. confession. Yeah. Um, we just celebrated John the Vianney, cure of ours, right? John yeah. Vianney. And he was a great priest in many ways, a saint, obviously, but he was a great confessor and spent much of his time in the confessional. And so I would just reiterate, if you're praying for someone to come back to their Catholic faith, very specifically pray that they will go to confession because literally that confessional door 
is their door back to a reconciled relationship with Christ and his church. And I was very fortunate. And, you know, <clears throat> looking back now, decades later, I was very fortunate the first time I went to Mass after all those years. And I wept when I heard, holy, 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 because it all came back. And I literally wept. And I ran up to the priest. This was at St. Joseph's in Lakeland, Florida. I haven't thought about this in a long time. And I just started pouring my heart out to him, telling him about on a beach in California, coming back, <laughs> reading the fathers. And he's just listening and listening. And you know what he said to me? He said, welcome home. Yeah. Welcome home. So I was very, very fortunate. And you, you know, that's an important point you're making. The priest is standing in the person of Christ. And see, that's the beauty of the Catholic faith. The church is not something but someone. Jesus continues his ministry. He continues to forgive sins. And he does it through his mystical body, the church. And that's why you say, I absolve you. Mm -hmm. And this is my body. It's not some organization out there. It's Jesus himself, and we are incorporated into him, and we live in him, and he continues his ministry. What a beautiful gift. And when that opens up, your whole life changes. And you see the sacraments as such a blessing. And confession, as you said, and the Eucharist are sacraments that we can repeat over and over and over and over again and receive grace, which is divine life, and continue to grow. So I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for the sacrament, and I encourage everyone who's listening, if it's been a long time, my dear dad had been away from the church for decades, decades, and he basically died three times, but he was such a gruff fellow, he fought his way back. And uh, I found out right before I was ordained to the diaconate that he had made a confession, uh, general confession, made up for decades. Mm -hmm. And I had the privilege of actually giving him the body of Christ for the first time. Mm -hmm. So it's never too late, never. never, ever, ever, ever too late. And he died in a state of grace. Mm -hmm. And I would just add something that I hear very often is God can't forgive me mm -hmm. because it's natural. If we've done something that we really are ashamed of, we know is wrong, and we truly are contrite, sometimes it's those people who won't go to confession because they feel so badly about what they've done that they say, oh, well, this is unforgivable. They can't forgive themselves and God. But I just urge people to, to plow through that, to believe what Jesus tells us, that all sins are forgivable. He, if, unless we lose our faith, then we've chosen to turn from the sacraments and to turn from Christ. So don't, if you're listening and you think, but in my case, what I did is unforgivable, go to confession and you'll find out it's not. We've done all the talking, um, Dr. Stacy. Anything a mom or no, uh, a woman of God wants to throw in there before we're finished? Mom and mother of God, I, I'm so grateful to the men in the church who who tell us these things and teach us these things and stand in the person of Christ for us. You know, I, I've obviously never heard anyone's confession, but I've thought before. Oh, you have. You just well, <laughs> not that way. Not but, sacramentally. But there, I've sat with women before, you know, a, a story of my own. There, You know, I've sat with a woman before who, who was, who wanted to go confess um, in vitro fertilization wanted to go and confess it and it's been decades and 
she's afraid she's scared to go and you know I'm changing parts of the story because it's confidential but the person was afraid to go to the priest and confess because it, and I get it I'm a convert too and and it was one thing to say God created everything because of chemistry that's awesome but talking about my sins was a whole nother story and and I just ended up saying to her look you're you're telling me you know she's like I can't do it I can't do it I just can't do it I'm like but you're telling me about it God already knows. Christ already knows all about it. He's waiting for you just to come tell him so you can be rid of it. And and that's it. You know, and I remember thinking in that moment, if if we're not afraid to tell it to each other, like women do that in confidence, <laughs> don't be afraid to go tell Christ. He he already knows it. He already loves you. He's just waiting for you to spit it out. Yeah. And you know, and it, and once you spit it out, it's gone from you, and you you are five years old again. And I remember when we, as a convert, seeing my kids go through confession. I had, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of that. I didn't grow up seeing that, and uh, I used to wonder when my daughters would all go to confession in front of me and get into the priest. I'm like, I, I don't know what they told you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what all they said, but I'm really sorry for all my failings as a mother. Um, but I used to laugh just it was so nice because they would go in all scared and then they would come skipping out yes <laughs> and I'm like I feel that way too I can't skip but <laughs> it's nice you know it, it is such a, a cleansing feeling yeah. and we have such wonderful examples of course in the scripture mm. you know you talk about people who thought they had unforgivable sins well they line right up in the the New Testament huh? yep. Magdalene and Paul, who was an accomplice to the martyrdom of Stephen, or go back to the Hebrew scriptures, Moses. God forgives. Love forgives. He just waits for us to bring it to him because it's a communion. It's a dialogue. And there's such freedom that comes from it. People need freedom. They're walking around, especially today, filled with fear and bound by so many things. And to hear those words, and, and, and for that priest to say to me, Go and sin no more. Well, I can't say that I was able to follow that direction, but uh, <laughs> no I, we work at it. We work at it, and that's the other thing: is that there isn't a sense of progressive way that we grow in the mm-hmm. Lord. Mm-hmm. The closer we stay to Him and and receive the Eucharist and regularly take advantage of the sacraments and and immerse ourselves in His Word, we're supposed to be growing mm-hmm. and finding freedom and being emptied of ourselves and being filled up with him. And it's a wonderful privilege to be a Christian, particularly a Catholic Christian. One thing that I would emphasize is we live in an age where many people say sin doesn't exist or there's a lot of confusion about, well, is that a sin or not? Mm -hmm. What I would encourage anyone who's watching, and maybe you're you're finally thinking, well, maybe I could go to confession. or maybe you, you go regularly, but there's something you haven't confessed because you're not sure if it's a sin. What I would advise is just talk to the priest. Just put it out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a sin. Maybe there's circumstances because it can get fairly complex, but we don't have to worry about the complexity. The, because even though, you know, through many decades now of my lifetime, Sin has been neglected. Many people have been told, oh, don't worry about it. It's, there's really no sin's not a big deal. Um, God still makes us in his likeness and image. And we know there's something. Our hearts are burning with that guilt, with that awareness that what we did was wrong. And if you have that feeling, 
share it in confession with the priest. Be released from it. Maybe he'll tell you that in your circumstance that probably wasn't sinful. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe, you know, there can be mitigating circumstances. But I just would urge everyone to just go to confession and open your heart to the Lord. It, it will be cathartic. It will bring healing. And it will, it will make you a new person, mm-hmm. able to do your best. I reflect often on what we say at the end of the act of contrition. I firmly resolve with the, the help, help of, of thy grace, grace to sin no more yep. and to avoid the near occasion of sin. That's a pretty bold statement. Yes, it is. To sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. I confess right here that I failed to live up to that. And so I go back to confession. But as you were saying, Deacon, there is a progression. You grow and you learn. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that's, that's a final thing that I would say. As you said, it, it's, there's a beauty about being a five-year-old again. But there's also a beauty about having learned uh-huh. that that was wrong and that was harmful to me and another person, maybe a whole community of people. Sin hurts us. And to learn that, you're, you're a much more mature five-year-old, yeah. totally cleansed, new spiritually, but with that wealth of growing in, why does God say this is a sin? Yes. Because he knows how he made us. And he knows it harms us, and it harms others. So I think we can be grateful that we're not— it doesn't erase all we've learned. It erases the sinfulness. It it renews us in grace. But it allows us to learn from those mistakes and to continue to grow spiritually. And that's what we're called to. And and life's a classroom. We learn to love. And then it opens up to eternity. And that's really true— and there are things you can only learn as you age. Mm-hmm. You're right. What it frees you from is the consequences and the wound. You grow in your capacity to understand and have empathy for others, but you're freed from the wound. And I don't care how many people say there's no such thing as sin. When you're alone with yourself, you know there is yeah. because we still have a conscience. Yeah. And People know that, and they're walking around pretending they're not wounded. But you can see in their carriage, you can see in their behavior, they are. And the good news is that Jesus wants you free, and he wants you to be healed. And one of the reasons we call confession a sacrament of healing, along with the anointing of the sick, Mm -hmm. is because sin wounds the soul, and it wounds the body of Christ, and it impedes you from being free. And those whom the Son has set free are free indeed. Yeah, and it says right there in the catechism that you quote at the beginning of your essay, the Lord Jesus Christ, physician of our souls and bodies. Wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, and we don't think of that sometimes. But thank you so much for joining us today and talking about this. If you want to find Deacon Keith's essay, go to stphilipinstitute.org website and just look under resources at the top and under essays, and it'll pop right up. And you can read it and share it and and learn from it and grow. Thank you for joining us. Um, Until next time, this is the St. Philip Institute podcast, and we will end with a blessing from the bishop. The Lord be with you. And with with your your spirit. spirit. Almighty God, we give thanks for the gift of your son. His mercy is everlasting. We pray that all who are 
listening and participating in this podcast will be enriched and renewed in the mercy that the Lord Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose to share with us all. Help us to be strengthened in the beautiful knowledge that that mercy flows from the Eucharistic altar. Let us be nurtured by his body and blood in the Eucharist, and let us be strengthened in his mercy in the sacrament of confession. We pray for all who have been recently and celebrate that sacrament regularly, that they may know God's blessing in each step of their lives. And we pray for those who maybe have been distant from Christ in the sacrament of confession, that they be inspired to turn to him and to know his love and to grow in his mercy. And we ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.